Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders, the Nats, the Caps, the Wizards, the Flying Squirrels, VCU Hoops, UVA Football, Virginia Tech Athletics, and more. You can always download the free Odyssey app today to take the show on the go. Just search 910 The Fan to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. And then after me, from 3 to 6, it is Grant and Danny here on 910 The Fan. And Danny Ruye is with us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Danny? What do you say, brother? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to know all about this event that you were doing this morning, man. So I love talking about it, so thank you so much. Uh, I'll (laughs) take up about 20, 30 minutes of your time and then probably start texting you afterwards about it. Um, I'm obsessed with pickleball, and... I'm good, but, like, not like these guys. So, like, I'm good for, like, a dad, you know, that, like, has to wear, uh, like, sausage casing around my leg so I don't pull anything. It's a calf (laughs) sleeve. It's a knee sleeve. It's a quadriceps slash groin sleeve. It's a lot of stretching. It's a cryo chamber afterwards, et cetera. (laughs) But, but yeah, so it's a grand opening of a place called Down the Line uh, Sports Center in Fairfax, and uh, they got another place coming in Annandale, hopefully around around the end of the year. But uh, I got a chance to play with a couple of pros, today uh who are instructing and kind of hitting around with us and it was awesome to get to you know whack a couple of points uh alongside and then against uh like quite literally professional pickleball players so it was a blast man as a as a lowly three seven five four oh on a good day going up against like an actual juggernaut it'd be like i was pretty good at baseball in high school all right step out into the mound and face justin verlander i mean that that's kind of what it's like the, the level difference but uh, it was really cool I love that, man, and, and I've been all in on pickleball. I can't wait for the junkies to bring the, back their competition co- so I can show off my skills in front of uh, my coworkers. But uh, I have not played indoor pickleball yet. Is that what this event was? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit. It takes a minute to get used to. Like, backdrops are different. Uh, you know, there's, you're obviously not playing the wind at all, which you're kind of used to outside. There's usually, like, a current that's going one way or the other. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it, is a, it is a slight adjustment. It takes, you know, maybe a game or two to kind of get used to the feel, the backdrop, and, um, you know, there's more to kind of distract your eyes inside, believe it or not, because you don't have that natural sunlight that's kind of, you know, very even, helping to cascade. It's lights coming from a bunch of different directions that ultimately do the same thing, but it's a little bit harder. It, it, it's, it's, well, I don't want to say it's harder. It's just different, and that usually takes a second to kind of figure out. Do you play at all with uh, our buddy Ryan Clary, the Stallion? So that's a, a nice question. Um, <laughs> He's not good enough, that? is he? <laughs> no, well, play is, is something. I, I play. I work on stuff. Uh, one time he got five points in a game against me when I was working on something. So I don't know if that <laughs> counts as, as playing with. Uh, he, he's a good sport. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he, takes, he, he takes his beating with a smile. Uh, which, which is a nice thing. But, uh, but yeah, now that he's moved and he lost all the weight and he's, like, super handsome and going on dates all the time, he didn't have time for the likes of me. Yeah, no, that that makes sense, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want to I play against you guys. I, I can't wait for uh, us to do an event at 106.7 The Fan. So Jason Wright joined uh, Grant and Danny, you guys, the other day to give the lowdown yeah. on the $75 million improvements to the commander's home. Is any of that money going to the 400 section? <laughs> you you would think so to some degree, right? I mean, I know there there have been, you know, it's to me that the controllable stuff has to get better, right? There are going to be certain touch points where you directly interact with fans, whether that's getting into the stadium, getting around the stadium, getting your beer quickly, getting your hot dog quickly, getting back to your seats, 
ushers, those kind of touch points are controllable and always improvable. Even somebody that does it well, <coughs> excuse me, could do it great, right? And that's something that Jason Wright's aware of. And I think they've made improvements there. I don't think it's good yet. Now, I, this is just anecdotally. I, of course, will never go to that stadium ever again. I hate it so much. And every second that it exists is a uh, slap in the face of the wet fish. But from what we hear uh, from folks that do go and kind of went this year, it was better, but still probably not where it needs to be. Those are things that I think they're going to be working on. Uh, the sound system, we all kind of know. And, you know, ha- half the stadium, I guess, this year sounded like the, you know, the, the parents on Charlie Brown on Peanuts. Uh, so hopefully that'll be improved. You know, some of the, the scoreboard things and lights and, and you know, just those kinds of experiences that just sort of make you feel like it is the big time spectacle that it's supposed to be, you know? Uh, an NFL football game that it doesn't feel like you're at a you know a, a, a 3A high school in the middle of the state of Virginia. This really is an NFL stadium. So more of those things are coming. I think you know HVAC, not having uh, plumbing leak on people or sprinklers go off or railings fall, unsexy stuff, but things that absolutely need to happen. Was there anything else that stood out to you in your interview with Jason Wright earlier this week? It, it's it just it hit home, Adam. I mean, I guess if you'd asked me with some true serum. How aware was I of this? And, and I guess ultimately that I was, but it was something about hearing him say it and kind of admit to it. They're going to be at that stupid stadium for a long time. Like, I kind of did the math, and it's like, I'll probably be 50 by the time a new stadium happens. So you I've been saying it? 2028. Like, is, that, is that off? Yeah. No. It, it, and that's kind of an optimistic side. That's if they kind of get something going within the next couple of years here and and your know, time just kind of keeps on slipping uh when it comes to that i remember thinking this a couple of years ago pre-pandemic where if they want to get to to you know out of there by 2027 they need to kind of get going right now and you saw all the politicking you saw all the different uh you know uh, municipalities sort of you know read the room and say no you can't do business with Dan Snyder and company and even still with the monumental uh a, a, a vote for on, on capitol hill the other day where congress overwhelmingly uh, approve the measure to give uh, control of the RFK site back to Washington, D.C., there are still a million pitfalls and things that could get in the way, a.k.a. Washington, D.C., the city council, loves to just screw up a good thing. Uh, nobody messes up a sure thing like the Washington, D.C. city council. You can quote me on that. But, you know, it still now kind of feels tangible. But even with that, Adam, it's still a long, long time away. They're going to play there through 2027 and maybe years beyond, which I think is just an awful, awful, awful thing. That's nobody's fault in the current organization, current regime. They didn't do this. They inherited it. But it's just, it, it's a way to kind of, to me, deflate some of the momentum and deflate some of the positivity, knowing that we're going to be so stagnant in that god-awful place for a long time. Danny Ruye with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can check out Grant and Danny following me right here on 910 The Fan, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. We've been uh, having the phone lines open. People can chime in 833-804-0910. As Danny, you know, we're all DMV Commanders fans who are playing armchair GM. We're playing couch coach this offseason. So the question mm-hmm. I have for you is, what would the what could the Commanders do that would make you mad, would make you upset? I said trading back and running with Sam Howell again would make me furious. That's that's one. Uh, you know, trading back in and of itself isn't isn't bad specifically. You, you know, obviously you're going to trust to a degree that this group has a plan. That's not just some fly by the seat of their pants latest term that Ron Rivera Googled that morning. Uh, you know, as to the new direction of the franchise. But to me, the the only thing that I care about is coming out of this draft with their new quarterback. I presume it's one of the top three guys because that's kind of what I think, but who knows what they think. They could, they could decide that Michael Penix is the dude. They could decide that J.J. McCarthy is the dude after like nine career passes and handing it off a million times at Michigan. So whatever. But if, the, if that's the case, if you don't come out of this 
with a rookie signal caller that is the potential face of the franchise, I will be livid. I, I will be very disappointed in this group. It'll be the first real black eye to me, even though they're qualified, even though Adam Peters is smart and kind of knows what he's, he's about. I'm sure he's got a plan. I refuse to do, because I've been burned so many times, the bridge quarterback, the veteran quarterback, the kick the can down the road till next year, because next year never happens. And you get the people that defend it, and they go, well, what if they don't love a guy? That, that implies this is an exact science, Adam. I don't care if you don't love a guy. Take one. You just take one. If you don't have one, you take one. And then if it doesn't work, you're in the position again, you take another one. You, the idea that if you don't love a guy, you, don't, you, you pass on him, I think is a fallacy. Because it assumes that everybody understands, or it, is, it assumes that this draft is some kind of exact science. right? Where I believe this person is a 7.4, therefore I want to pass on him. If everybody knew that it would just kind of go in order and you would get the exact performance that you signed up for. It is beyond a crapshoot. The best in the world at this don't get it right all that often. If you don't have a quarterback, you take a quarterback. It's so uncomplicated. Everybody tries to make it more interesting or complicated than that. Everything is a waste of time. As we've seen for 30-plus years, if you don't have one, you just get one. You try to get one. And if it doesn't work, no harm in trying. You try again. You never stop trying. You don't go with someone else's leftovers. You don't go in the bargain basement DVD bin. You don't fish out of the trash like those hipster dumpster divers that I know are probably taking over Richmond now uh, with like weird Twitter accounts. You don't do any of that crap. You just draft a quarterback and stop complaining about it. I'm with you. you got to keep swinging until you hit a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen. So uh, let me ask you this then. When this mm-hmm. season is complete, 2024-2025, whether they're in uh-huh. Washington or someone else, who do you think will go down as the best quarterback from this draft class? Oh, that's a great question. So like gold jacket style, we look back in 20 years and say, what about that, that 2024 draft? Who's the best? Um, yeah. I, there's, there's a lot of negative noise about Caleb Williams now. I think that happens when you've been the preemptive number one for – a year you know what i mean or even more than that like people are now looking for wrinkles they're looking for warts they're looking for things wrong and some of the noise around him is you know i I don't know if it's fair or not to be honest with you that guy is incredible and he's got a chance to be mahomes like i'm not saying he's pat mahomes they make one of that guy but to me he's got that sort of plays that you just can't teach you can't explain those off angle things those crazy improvisational things now i wonder how good he is from the pocket on, on you know on a consistent basis um, at, at the NFL level, I wonder if he can line up under center, even though Mahomes never has to. But again, again, they make one of that guy. So I do wonder, you know, about certain things like everyone else might. But I would say ultimately, it's Caleb Williams has a chance to be the best guy. I agree with you. I love it. Last thing I wanted to ask you: Is there a running back that you're interested in? We heard a report maybe the Commanders would go after DeAndre Swift. Michael Phillips got my attention when he say he'd throw some money at Derrick Henry for just a one-year deal. Is there a running back you're interested in? So Swift is intriguing to me. The thing that I'm interested in was the thing, the opposite, surprise, surprise, of what the Ron Rivera regime wanted. Uh, they were like, Can we have seven thumpers, please, that'll get you two and a half yards into the, into the back of a guard. I don't want that. I want seven scat backs. I want an endless army of pass-catching running backs that you can split out, that are versatile, they don't seem to. A lot of the NFL doesn't seem to want to give those guys the twenty twenty five touches. You know, the Austin Eckler is a little to me is my prototype. He gets hurt a bunch. I understand that if you ran between the tackles a million times over, you might you know maybe you have to limit his carries. That's why I would never spend on that position. I would just find two or three JD McKissick style players and and kind of consistently turn through them. If they can pass block, if they can catch the ball out of the backfield, if they can you know plant their foot in the ground on that stretch zone and 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 do what Ryan Terrain, what Alandis Gary did for the Shanahan offense. Uh, you know, back in Denver, run for a thousand yards and then you know fall off the face of the earth. That's fine by me. Running games to me are far less about running backs and way more about scheme, design, 
blocking uh, and, and kind of you know everybody pitching in, all ten other guys kind of selling it and, and making commitments to it to be able to get there. And it's set up by you know a diversified offense, passing, making the defense vulnerable to other things. It's not about smash mouth pushing people around anymore. Those days have passed, in my humble opinion. Uh, so yeah, to me, Swift is good. But again, anybody in that tier that is good in space, I want electricity. I want guys that are good in space as opposed to Ron Rivera, who wants people that run straight and fall down after two and a half yards. So would you offer Austin Eckler a contract, or is the injury history no. holding you back? No, I, I, don't, I don't do big contracts for running backs. And the, the only time I would do it is if, I, let's say I'm like a 13-win team that's, on the, that's poised to you know, make a leap to the Super Bowl and I'm one piece away, then yeah. I could splurge on something. I mean, I could do what San Francisco did for McCaffrey when I've already got a team that's been in the NFC title game slash Super Bowl. I'm really good. Yeah, I'll go over the top and, and, and get a weapon. But they'd be pretty good with Elijah Mitchell, too, back there. I'm telling you, Christian McCaffrey's great. Don't get me wrong. But I would never spend extra resources on a running back with, with very few exceptions. Danny, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. Talk soon. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home of the biggest sports fans in town every day is game day. And at 2.45, we will spotlight the biggest sporting event of the night. At 2.15, it's time to play to win, honoring the best audio highlights in the sports world. Buzzer beaters, game-winning shots, great interviews, sound bites, and more. Stubb puts that together every Thursday for us to air at 2.15 on Fridays. Nick Ashew to give us his thoughts on what to gamble on this weekend at 2 p.m. Nick Ashew, of course, is part of BetMGM Tonight that you can hear on 9.10. The fan following Grant and Danny from 7 to 11 p.m. So baseball season is right around the corner. Spring training going on now, and the Flying Squirrels have Nutsies block party coming up tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. It's always fun to be out and about uh, and represent 910 The Fan, especially at an event like that where the it feels like the entire city is going to be there. Uh, the line last year was incredibly long, but went by so quickly as people got in, got out, got their tickets, hung out. I know there's going to be a ton of fun and activities out at the Diamond tomorrow for Nutsy's Block Party. But with baseball season around the corner, I've had a few people tweeting me, Awad, why aren't you talking more about the Washington Nationals and their top prospect, James Wood? So I'm going to do that this segment here because James Wood blasted his third home run of spring training yesterday. He was once the centerpiece of the Juan Soto trade and has since burst onto the scene for the Washington Nationals in the minor leagues. The outfielder hit his third home run of spring training yesterday, taking pitcher Kyle Gibson Yard for a solo shot. He did it right after Lane Thomas hit a home run. So the two went back-to-back to open the game. Now six games into spring training. James Wood is a name that you should be familiar with if you're a Nats fan. He is 7 for 14 with three home runs, five RBIs, six runs, three walks, and just two strikeouts. He has been incredible and 17 plate appearances so far. Uh, He was regarded as one of the top prospects. Everybody knew this guy was going to be good when the San Diego Padres drafted him in the second round of the 2021 MLB draft. 
He was, of course, one of several prospects traded to Washington in exchange for all-star sluggers Juan Soto and Josh Bell when the Nats made that move at the 2022 deadline. Since that move, it has not been fun watching the Washington Nationals, but I believe the future is bright because of the package that they got in return for Juan Soto, James Wood being one of the big stars from that. Plus, the draft picks. Dylan Cruz seems like he's going to be a stud, uh, and they've got a few other really nice pieces that are prospects. Well, I'll always be wondering, though, just what would have happened if the learners never thought about selling. Right, because that's the thing is they tried to sell the franchise for two years. It looked like Ted Leonsis was going to buy it for two billion. They wanted more, and then more recently, the learners have come out and said, "Hey, we, we've mourned the loss of our father, and now we want to get back into ownership and actually make some move here for the Washington Nationals." And they spent a little bit of money this off season. It's not like this is going to be a good year for the Nats. I'd probably still bet the under this year, but I'll always be wondering what would have happened if Juan Soto accepted the contract that was offered, or if Juan Soto, our hero in the World Series run, had just stayed in Washington as a national and played out his contract. Well, Juan Soto is now a New York Yankee, and before spring training, he met with the media and had this to say. Here's the full quote from Juan Soto. I I read this the other day, and it just pissed me off. Here's the quote. I never wanted to leave Washington. It was a great team. I knew everybody there, from the bottom all the way to the top. I was really comfortable, and it felt like home for me. I was happy. I had a house in Washington. I was really comfortable up there. Out of nowhere, they made that decision. They thought it was the best thing for the team. I just respected it because they were really clear with me. That's one of the things I really respected from Mike Rizzo. He was really clear about the trade stuff. But definitely, I never thought I was going to leave D.C. I was really thinking I was going to stay there for my whole career. Oh, it's so frustrating. So it, what's tough is, it, it you know, looking back on it, they made a, a few mistakes after winning the World Series. And it's led them to this time in Washington right now where D.C. sports where all four of the teams are bad. And the Nats are not very good. And they're still probably a year or two away from even being in a position to contend for a playoff spot, a wild card spot. That's not going to happen this year. But at the same time, with all the mistakes they made, they did do some things right along the way to eventually refill their farm system and hopefully be good by the year 2026-2027. But when you think back to the mistakes they made along the way, the big one that stands out is paying Steven Strasburg all that money. The second one is paying Patrick Corbin. Now, at first, I had originally hated letting Anthony Rendon go. We now know Anthony Rendon doesn't even like playing baseball. He he, he does not like playing baseball. He fought with fans last year. He's made headlines coming out and saying uh, his family is more important to him than baseball, and it just doesn't seem like he's a guy that you would want to build a franchise around. It just sucks because he was such a big part of of this team in 2021 when they won the World Series. So um, it, it's just, it's a not 21, uh, 19. And then 2020 was the COVID year, and they couldn't go back-to-back because of that. Not sure that they had any chance to do that because they moved on from all the guys in the offseason. Then you fast-forward to 2022 when Mike Rizzo had the forward thinking to know that this roster was not good enough with or without Juan Soto 
to be a contender for the World Series. So they made the decision to move on from Juan Soto. I hated it at first. Reading that quote from Juan Soto, I want to cry because I love him so much and he meant so much to this area when they went on that run in 2019. But I want to give Mike Rizzo a lot of credit for having the foresight to know that we are going to get a lot of good players and prospects in return for Juan Soto. And with the preseason and spring training that we've seen James Wood have already, it does look like this is a franchise that is set up for success in the future. I don't know how much longer it's going to be until we can see that they will end up being at the major league level with guys like James Wood and Dylan Cruz and others, and how long is it going to be for them to get to that major league level and then win games consistently enough to be a contender in the NL East. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Nationals top prospect James Wood blasts his third home run of spring training yesterday. Three home runs, five RBIs, three walks, and just 17 plate appearances. He has been tremendous so far. And the coolest thing about James Wood, in my mind, is he absolutely looks the part. He absolutely looks the part. He is six foot six, two hundred and thirty-four pounds. He looks like if it didn't work out in baseball, he should try out for the NFL. I mean, this guy is massive, and he absolutely clobbers the ball when he gets good contact on on his bat. So I think the future is bright. It's going to be fun watching him develop. And uh, maybe he'll even make a double-A appearance um, here in Richmond, not for the Flying Squirrels, but playing against the Flying Squirrels like we saw uh, top prospect Jackson Holiday for the Orioles last season. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll here in Scott's Edition. Don't call River City Roll just a bowling alley. It is much more than that. Live entertainment Fridays and Saturdays, a chef-inspired menu. The pizza's banging. They're open for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays from 10.30 to 3 p.m. Head there today and tell them AWOD sent you. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open throughout the show. like to make this the most interactive radio show possible. It's 833 833- 8040910 if you want to get in touch with us that's 8338040910 we've got a lot still to come on the show today uh, David Harrison will join us to talk commanders off season at 2:30 Nick Ashu to give us his thoughts on what to gamble on in the sports world this weekend uh, and we also met, should mention that this Saturday is the Flying Squirrels block party yes Nazis block party uh, is back. It returns. It's going to be a ton of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, really think it's going to be a great event. And um, yeah, if you're looking for something to do, come out to Nutsy's Block Party. Cannot wait for it. As uh, tickets will be on sale for the 2024 season at the Diamond. But joining us right now, it is the voice of the Monarch. Said to you, Ted Alexander. What's up, Ted? Well, nothing going on in these of this part of the part of the country, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at right now? I'm in Statesboro, Georgia. Monarchs wrap up the regular season men's basketball against uh, the Eagles of Georgia Southern tonight, and then uh, it's on to the conference tournament in Pensacola next week. 
Absolutely, and um, last game was at Appalachian State, and Appalachian State is top of the conference right now, 15-2. and two. James Madison, 4-3. and three. What are your thoughts on the Sunbelt Conference this season as a whole? Could this be a two-bid league? I would certainly hope so. I think I think App State and JMU are deserving. Uh, they've had uh, successes in the non-conference portion. Now, when they get to the net and all that type of stuff, and the fact that they haven't been getting many votes recently for the top 25 or gotten into the top 25, I think that's that's uh, hogwash. Uh, one of the things that drives me nuts, Adam, is when you see teams that are in the power conferences 13 and 15 still getting seven seeds. Uh, drives me nuts a little bit. But I, I think those two teams are, are the cream of the crop. Troy's had a good year. Obviously, the Monarchs have had a down year, and that's why they've got a new head coach. Absolutely. So Monarchs this season, 7-23, and 3-14 and 14 in the conference. Uh, but I, I'm wondering, how has attendance been this season at home games? Uh, let the Sun Belts in attendance once again. The support's been amazing uh, from those uh, Monarch fans that love basketball, that uh, look at the glass half full and then hope for better things. I mean, people like going to Chartway Arena. It's a beautiful place. And to watch the Monarchs play there uh, has always been fun. Uh, trying this year, but the fans have still turned out. And again, you leave the Sunbelt Conference in attendance for the umpteenth year in a row, and it's, it's a real testament to the support the fans give the Monarch basketball programs. So Jeff Jones retired earlier this week, and, and, and we all knew health was an issue, and it's sad to see uh, him go out uh, like that. How would you kind of describe the impact that he made at ODU? Well, I think he, he settled the program down in his 10 years here. He brought uh, brought some, some stability to the program. He had some ups and downs and, and those types of things. And, and, you know, these things never end the way you want them to with the national championship and follow you go down uh, out into the sunset uh, with, with championships. Uh, the Monarchs fans, they support the team, as I mentioned, but they also want wins. And tournament appearances and those types of things and and, uh, at the end of the day that's what any coach is going to be asked to do and Jeff Jones did it a couple of times but the last couple of years not so much and and I think Jeff's finding that uh, the the happiness he can find outside of basketball he deserves that happiness and his health as well So today ODU held a press conference for new head coach Mike Jones who played at ODU in the 90s was an assistant at DeMatha then took over the DeMatha program uh, for almost 20 years. He was there for a long time, worked with uh, U.S. men's national team uh, which was really good for him to develop contacts at that level and then move over to the college ranks worked with Mike Young of Virginia Tech and then at Maryland this past year and from what I've seen on social media and I feel it with my listeners there's a lot of excitement about this hire. I think they love the fact that it's 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 a, a former monarch who knows the drill around Hampton Boulevard, who's been there, who's had success there. He's been to other places. He's been to Power Fives and had success as a head coach. He had tremendous success at DeMatha, and and it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Another thing I was thinking about this, uh, Adam, today is is whether you knock the press conference out of the park or totally bomb it. None of that matters. If you can recruit players and win games, that's all that matters. And that test begins next October, November. And until then, you know, we, we hope for the best. Seems like a great guy. Seems like a great fit. Seems like a wonderful uh, injection of energy into the program at a time when it needs it. But can you win games? Can you recruit players? 
Yeah, and I, I certainly think he can recruit players based off of his resume and his experience. Now it's going to be his first opportunity being a head coach at the college level. What do you remember or know about him as a player at ODU in the 90s? Well, I just know he, he they had some good teams, two trips to the NCAAs in his, in his four years. Oliver Purnell, another legendary Monarch coach, uh, was his coach for th- three years at, at Old Dominion, and he, you know he's just one of those floor general guys, you know, sort of like a, I guess you, you, to use the cliche, the coach on the floor kind of guy. And when you have people like that, and the way they seem to teach is in their own, you know, in their own uh, vision, and that means you want players like yourself to be out there, and that bodes well for the Monarchs. You can get some smart ball players who know what they're doing, who have the skills, who play together, and can have some success. Ted Alexander with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, voice of the ODU Monarchs. You can chime in 833-804-0910 or tweet us your thoughts at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. Uh, this question comes in from Rob in Innsbruck. Teddy says, the fans are desperate for a tournament exper- uh, appearance. What do you think the expectations would be in Coach Jones's first three years? I think get to the get to the tournament. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. In this day and age, you can see teams implode in one year if they're burned by the transfer portal, and you can see them fly high in in a year turnaround wise. If you know exactly what you're looking for and find the right ingredients to the proper tournaments, do I think expectations along? Think that the next year you're you're going to get it done, and I think they'll uh, that'll be no exception with with Coach Mike Jones. Um, and that's that's sort of understood coming in. You've got to find the guys. You've kind of got to find the right chemistry. And in this day and age, it's more complicated, Adam. I mean, there are college basketball teams across the country failing the chemistry test badly this year, and they have to go back and board. And in this year of the portal or this era of the portal and NIL and all that stuff, you, know, you can flush guys and you can bring you guys in, reboot the computer, and hope for the best. Yeah, how is the collective set up for ODU, and how successful have they been in bringing in NIL money? Good question. Have no idea. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit uh, away from a wheelhouse. And quite honestly, I'm old enough to to I'll let the others deal with that stuff. And, <laughs> and me, not, not maybe it's sort of the the. Uh, the, the purist in me that says, oh, well, I don't want to see the game soiled by any of this, or maybe it's, I don't need more of this minutia to jump in there to see if they can play ball. Uh, and Ted, who are a few players on the roster currently that you'd hope would stick around with Mike Jones? Well, I think Danny Pounds has all kinds of, of, of potential. You know, a lot of the guys this year have been out of position and being played in, in, in funky things just because of that this year has been. But Danny Pounds, a six-seven freshman out of Atlanta, has shown signs of life uh, at the five. I think if you got him to the four a little bit, he could he could work out there. He's you can you, you can build with him. Um, you know, th- there are other guys. I think Emo Westy and I think Leroy Oyahi are guys that are willing to be coached and and willing to uh, uh, learn and get better and develop. Uh, and and we'll see down the line. I mean, you, you wonder look at a roster after a year like this is that all right what was the problem here was it an individual was it several individuals was it uh, one by that spoiling the whole bunch girl uh those questions still need to be answered and if you can figure that out you can figure how to stock the roster next year so i think some of the the, the new guys that came in just didn't work out chemistry wise and it's you know you're saying three 
You know, Ted, that's a great point, right? Because I was at VCU uh, from 2011 to 2015, and ODU had some great teams during that time and some great players like Kent Bazemore. And I just, you know, from the outside looking in, I don't know what's led to the malaise in the program. It feels like there's been a lull over the last five years. Uh, totally discount that. I mean, you know, do you get the players? Do you recruit the players? Do you, do you miss on more players than you hit on? Do you have the guys with the buy-in? Are the guys that are one-and-dones, are they willing to grind it out in the way that, uh, that Jeff Jones was a defensive, uh, team-oriented, lunch-pail type of team? Some guys love that and, and, and uh, prosper in that. Other guys hate that stuff because it doesn't help their stat sheet, and that's what they're most concerned about. Ted, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Really good insight and inf- information. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Yep, that's Ted Alexander. He's the voice of the ODU Monarchs. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll here in Scott's Edition. Don't call River City Roll just a bowling alley. It's Richmond's top entertainment scene with live music and entertainment on Fridays and Saturdays. Come on by for brunch on Sundays from 10 p.m. or 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'm always here Fridays and Saturdays nights. I love the pizza. Come on here after a VCU game. Try the pizza. Try the wings. Uh, But certainly... Don't sleep on the Gouda mac and cheese stub because I was sleeping on it for a while and then I had it last week and I will now be getting that instead of french fries every time. That sounds it is really good. So good. Yeah. And it's like got like breadcrumbs on top, which is my favorite thing to add to mac and cheese. You need it. It is really good. Yeah. You got to come down and check it out. So we're here at River City Roll. Phone lines are open 833-804-0910. You can be the quarterback of this segment. Let's go to the phone lines. We've got Robert in Richmond. What's going on, Robert? Hey, Adam. It's Robert. Um, I just got to tell you, man. I, you got to go back to you know in the seventies. Old Dominion was a Division Two national champion. They moved up into D1, and you know, back in 1981, they knocked off number one DePaul, okay, on national TV. And so the program, in recent history, is nothing. You can't even find a game. Uh, you can't you know, even before ESPN Plus. Thank God for that. But prior to that, you couldn't. You know, they, VCU canceled us. It's been a miserable 11 years under Jeff Jones, and everybody wants to tiptoe around it because he has some bad health, and maybe everybody wishes him bad health. But I got some heat from, you know, saying it was what a great day when he resigned, but, you know, people just don't remember. We all live in a society where your thoughts and your, you know, your, we're on a, you, you remember stuff very shortly, and, you know, if you're anywhere younger, you were, you were around VCU and Old Dominion and VCU were going at it, and the people in the 80s like me and 90s and even, you know, in the late 70s, it was just a, probably the best uh, rivalry in the state of Virginia. Uh, even Virginia Virginia Tech was never that good because Tech wasn't good in basketball. So. Right. We you know what you're really right. Good. You know what's 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 sad is that it got to the point where VCU felt like it was a negative for them to just schedule ODU, you know, every single year, and, and so that's disappointing yeah. for the program. I'm fired up for Mike Jones, though. I've heard a lot of really good things about him. 
Well, if you listen to, if you go back and listen to the pressure when he uh, got put in our Hall of Fame, you know they didn't retire his number, but he got put in our Hall of Fame. I mean, he just he just was saying this is home to me, and that was probably six seven years ago. And um, he's just you know he's the guy who probably should have left high school ten years ago, ten years sooner than he did. Uh, yeah. But he I guess he got in a groove, he got family life, and. But he's a heck of a coach. He's unproven in college, but he was second on my list of who I would wanted. And so I'm over the moon that they pulled the trigger and got him early. And if you hear him speak, he's got a lot of passion. He's uh, obviously a great recruiter. I think X's and O's, he's going to be just fine. And, uh, man, just a good day to be an Old Dominion Monarch, good day for Virginia basketball uh, in general. And uh, NIL, you know, all bets are off the table. But if this was – six years ago, you know, or five years ago, it had been a home run hire. So that's how you got to look at hires these days, in my opinion. Yeah. Good call, Robert. I appreciate you chiming in, and I do agree. It's great for, you know, the state of Virginia, for ODU basketball uh, to be decent once again. Just not good to look at the standings and see them at the bottom of the Sun Belt Conference this season. And I'll be honest with you, I root for all Virginia colleges and universities to have success. I grew up a Mason fan. Uh, you know, have a, a soft spot for uh, ODU, VCU, Richmond, Longwood, all of it here, UVA, Virginia Tech. I, I want as many teams from this state to get into the NCAA tournament as possible every single year. And if you're looking for something to do this weekend, we've got you covered with Nutsies Block Party from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Diamond, rain or shine. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is the play-by-play voice of the Flying Squirrels, Trey Wilson. Trey, what's going on? Adam, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first off, i got to ask you, how's your bowling game? Because I'm here at River City Roll, and, and Michael Phillips and I are thinking about challenging you and Blaine McCormick. I mean, you were going down. Like, that wouldn't even be close. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up bowling a lot? Um, yeah, I grew up down in the Tidewater area, and we had a really nice – there was a really nice bowling alley over in the Western Branch area in Chesapeake across the river from us that we would go hang out there. They did like a $5 a game Wednesday night deal or something like that. So we would go play all the time. But I love going over there to River City Roll uh, where you guys are today. Um, of course, it's right, right across the, the bridge from us here at the Diamond. Uh, every time I go in there, it's a good time. Absolutely. All right, so we're, we're going to set that up. It'll be MP and me, 910 the fan, against the Flying Squirrels team of Blaine McCormick and Trey Wilson. So tell us a little bit about the excitement for tomorrow's block party. Yeah, so the block party is always a fun annual event. Uh, it really is kind of the moment where you realize, oh, yeah, baseball season is here. It's coming right around the corner. So uh, tomorrow here at the Diamond from 10 a.m., until 1 p.m. we'll have the block party going on. Uh, one of the big pieces of that is that uh, single game, individual game tickets will go on sale for the first time. Uh, that's in person tomorrow at 10, and then online sales will start at 11. So if you can't make it, you can hop on at 11 and lock in your tickets for uh, any game this season. If you look at the promo schedule, find some stuff that you like, line up your dates, grab your tickets. But especially, you know, you want to grab your tickets for opening night. Uh, that's a game that is sold out every season. Uh, the 4th of July has sold out every season, uh, so those will be available. Uh, individual tickets will be available for the first time tomorrow. Plus, there's a ton of other stuff going on. We've got games for kids. There's food. There's music. Uh, there's going to be a car show. There's a ton of stuff going on. You can get all the information for it at com. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to coming out 
to the event. I was blown away by the attendance last year. You know, everybody waiting in line to get their tickets. So you got food trucks, music, vendors, a car show, monster trucks, a petting zoo, and more. But let's focus in on the food trucks for a second, Trey, because I know I'm going to be hungry when I come out to the block party. Yeah, I mean, anytime you come to the diamond, the food is part of that experience. So, uh, yeah, the, well, this one will be with the food trucks. There'll be all kinds of good stuff out there. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to to kind of getting the mix worked in, grabbing some things from a few different places. So I'm looking forward to checking out that car show. But I'm really looking forward to seeing people coming out and being excited about uh, the baseball season and everything that we have going on. Uh, these last few years, the block where you were here last year, we saw it. The crowd was incredible. Uh, ton of people coming out the uh, great way to spend a, a Saturday late morning early afternoon and uh, and just get excited for the, the 69 home games we have coming up from April to September this year yeah it's going to be a ton of fun hopefully this is the year for the flying squirrels looking forward to opening day it's always fun to broadcast live from the diamond on opening day and I've already circled Trey May 28th Tuesday night the Erie Seawolves come to the Flying Squirrels. That's my rival right there. We've got to beat the Seawolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we were actually talking about that some in the office here today. Uh, yeah, the Seawolves got the better of the Squirrels in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, you certainly have not made any friends in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, <laughs> with some of your commentary. So, yeah, that's going to be a big clash of the, the division champs from the last couple of years. So that's, there's a little bit of a rivalry kind of building there but uh it's, it's a fun rivalry uh we like the people up there in Erie um you know it's uh they're a good bunch I was happy to see them get to win their first championship it had been such a long time but uh yeah it's, it's, uh, Richmond do uh we've been so close the last couple of years and uh it, it, it's so hard to get across the finish line and uh and raise the trophy at the end of the year but uh I think that we're gonna have a good shot to see that this year how excited are you that manager Dennis Pelfrey is back for another year? I'm so excited. I mean, anybody who pays any attention to this this team on the field, you, you know about Pelf. Uh, you know he interacts so well with the community and the fan base, and uh, his uh, whole record, his career, especially since he moved over to the affiliate side, working with the San Francisco Giants, um, is winning. It's all he does. Uh, first year, won a championship as the manager in Eugene. Uh, he's come here and. Uh, two years ago, got the team to the postseason for the first time in eight years, got them back to the postseason last year, the first time that they've ever gone to the playoffs back-to-back years. He does a great job of of, uh, of a lot of different things, but especially kind of mixing that player development side with the winning side. We saw it last year, set a franchise record for the most players, making their major league debuts, going from Richmond at some point in 2023 to being in the major leagues with the Giants the same calendar year. We've never seen uh, players take off and, and get to the big leagues as fast and as often as we did last year. And the team kept winning because they kept reloading with more talent. The Giants have a ton of depth. So uh, having Pelf back, no one had to manage that, uh, that kind of two-sided thing that a lot of times pulled against each other and winning in the minors versus developing players. So we're, we're really excited to have him back. So Nutsy's block party is tomorrow, Saturday, March 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Diamond. And, and Trey, you know, I was trying to explain it to my producer. we got a new producer this year, Stubb, uh, and, and he has not been to Nutsy's block party. So I, I just I was trying to explain it to him in words, and I, I, I just stopped and I said, you just got to come out to the event yourself to see what it's all about because it feels like the entire city comes out to the Diamond to celebrate Nutsy's block party. 
It really does. And the event's grown so much over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we've got people here who put a lot of thought and planning into making this a fun event and something to come out for. Obviously, we want you to come out and grab some tickets for games. There's a ton of other stuff going on. The, the blue lot right up here, um, you know, it's filled with all kinds of stuff going on. You mentioned a bunch of a few minutes ago with the food and entertainment for kids. Uh, so it's more than just coming and standing in line and grabbing some tickets. Um, you know, if you want to wait for that line to die down, you saw it last year. That line for tickets was pretty long. It did move quickly. Our guys did a good job, but it just really shows that uh, the hunger that everybody has for baseball season. And, you know, we saw it in the, uh, in the attendance last year. This world's last couple of years has led the nation at their level in attendance. Uh, and uh, people come out and pack the diamond here like nowhere else in the country. And we'd love to see that. And this is, again, that first step toward moving toward opening day and really feel like baseball's back. Trey, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. See you all Saturday. Yep. Tomorrow. Yep. I'll see you guys tomorrow at Nazi's Block Party. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on Richmond's home for the Flying Squirrels. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.